Remember, folks, Brainwash Radio is for broad-minded adults only and should not be sold to or distributed to minors under any circumstances whatsoever. Thank you. A charismatic leader, one who has risen above all others, speaks to the multitudes. They have waited for him. They believe in him. They expect he will heal the world's ills. Sometimes the Messiah finally returned. But this man is not a savior. He is the king of terror who will usher in the end of everything. For thousands of years, prophets around the world have predicted the end of days. More than one suggests the apocalypse is fast approaching. We call this theoretical convergence between doomsday prophecies and today's events, the Nostradamus effect. The Antichrist, the false messiah, a child of Satan. The word Antichrist first appears in the New Testament. In this ancient text, there is a prophecy that states the Antichrist, the beast, will come to seduce mankind. Instead, believers say he will usher in the end of days, Armageddon. The Antichrist is a man who receives the power of Satan. The Antichrist, of course, represents the devil on earth. He is a false messiah. That's exactly what he is. We will examine the theory that the Antichrist is already among us. Who is the Antichrist? Who predicted his arrival? If prophecies are to be believed, do they connect to more than one warning about such a figure? And are they linked to events in our own time, in a web of convergence? We will neither refute nor endorse these theories, merely present the evidence. The word Antichrist has its origins in religion, combining the Greek anti, instead of or in place of, with Christ or Christos, the anointed. What it refers to is a period in the early church when various groups were starting to split off, each of them understanding Christ's teachings in their own unique way, and each of them denouncing all the others as heretical. So from the point of view of any one of these groups, everybody else was an antichrist. Other religions have their own malevolent figures, but only the religions in the Judaic tradition have an antichrist. The term Antichrist is literally only alluded to really in Islam besides Judaism and Christianity. And they have their imposter messiah. And he will come on the scene in the last days, much like the Antichrist in the Bible will come on the scene in the last days. In Islam, he is called Masi Adajan, or the imposter. Some biblical interpreters believe that just as Jesus is the son of God, the Antichrist is considered the son of Satan. In spirituality, the enemy of Christ himself is the Antichrist. 
even as God the Father sent Jesus Christ the Son, theoretically, Satan himself will send this man on the planet to be the enemy of all that is good. One of the earliest of the biblical antichrist prophecies comes from the New Testament in the book of Revelation. It describes the antichrist's arrival in the world. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 666. <laughs> is this ancient prophecy entwined with other later prophecies about the Antichrist? <laughs> prophecies that may be an example of the Nostradamus effect. For some, the key may lie with Nostradamus himself. Nostradamus was a messenger of the divine plan. He would have been interested in the Antichrist because he would want the human race to know what they were facing in the future, specifically toward the end times. Nostradamus began publishing all of his prophecies, including his visions of the Antichrist, in the mid-16th century. Nostradamus straddled this really obscure line between magic and science, between heresy and conformity. His prophecies consist of ten books called Centuries, each consisting of four-lined poems called quatrains. It was within these writings that Nostradamus revealed his visions of the Antichrist. Nostradamus categorically believed that his gift of prophecy was a gift from God. It was his responsibility to alert the world to these things. Some suggest that the visions he experienced were horrible and confusing, a mix of unrecognizable technology and staggering violence. Try to imagine. Do not buy solar panels if you live in one of these 11 states of America. It's the worst decision you could make for your home. Recognizable technology and staggering violence. Try to imagine what it would be like if you had the ability to open a window to five years ahead in the future and you saw fantastic things that went against everything you believe. What would you do with that? He attempted to describe them in his writings. One who the infernal gods of Hannibal will cause to be reborn. Terror to all mankind. Nostradamus dedicated a number of quatrains to Antichrist prophecy. Followers of his quatrains confirmed that Nostradamus did not see just one Antichrist. He saw three Antichrists, each appearing in his own time. Each worse than the last. Nostradamus is unique in the history of prophecy. All other traditions, East and West, have one Antichrist, but he has three. Experts say Nostradamus wrote of two Antichrists that have since come and gone, leaving unparalleled destruction and bloodshed in their wake. Many insist that the final part of this prophecy has yet to come true. They suggest that the third false prophet may be destined to wreak havoc in our own time and that he may be among us right now. Some believe that the key to unlocking the mystery of the third Antichrist may be found in the identities of the first two and that clues revealing who they are could be found in Nostradamus's quatrains. An emperor will be born near Italy. 
You will cost his empire very dearly. In this quatrain, it is suggested that Nostradamus prophesied the first Antichrist. Nostradamus predicts this destructive leader will come from southern Europe to plague his own people. Napoleon was born near Italy, he did bring his empire to ruin. In that quatrain, we have a story of a ruler who brought about disaster. Is Napoleon the leader Nostradamus envisioned? Century one, quatrain 60, would seem to be a pretty good dead-on prediction as close as Nostradamus comes to an identifiable prophecy which came true in a way that we can recognize. The second Antichrist is even worse. Nostradamus writes that he too is European and possesses unprecedented powers of persuasion. From the very depths of the west of Europe, a young child will be born of poor people. He who by his tongue will seduce a great troop. Hitler was famous for his oratory, for leading a nation astray with his oratorical gift. Once again, Nostradamus's prophecy seems to converge with an actual historical figure, one born centuries later, a man who very nearly conquered the world. Many believe that if Nostradamus successfully predicted the appearance of Napoleon and Hitler, his prophecy of the third Antichrist is also likely to come true. Is this exaggerated doctrine or credible evidence? What are the exact links between these three alleged false prophets? A closer examination of Nostradamus's Antichrist quatrains may allow us to reveal the truth. Five hundred years ago, history's famed prophet Nostradamus predicted the arrival of three antichrists, each building on the power of the last. Some believe the third and most dangerous antichrist may be among us now. Things tend to go in threes. In the esoteric world, we call it the law of threes. So the basic idea was that there would be three people that would together, if you looked at the broad range of their history, completely change civilization. Will an investigation of various threads of evidence help us judge the accuracy of the belief that the third Antichrist will appear in our lifetime? Most people already are looking for somebody to lead the world to a global peace to solve these great crises that we have throughout the world. The Antichrist will be that savior. What clues are embedded in the quatrains of Nostradamus? Hints to help us identify the third and worst Antichrist. He warned, at once one will see vengeance, 100 powers, thirst, famine. Some suggest that this is a vision Nostradamus had of our current time, and that it proves the Antichrist is in our midst. In using the word vengeance, is he pointing to our current wars in Iraq, Afghanistan, the Far East, in our own inner cities? Could the seer's reference to thirst and famine 
describe the starvation that exists today in drought and poverty-stricken villages. Nostradamus's genius may not have been as a seer or a prophet, but as a surrealist poet. His verses are broken, they're hard to understand, and they seem to speak to certain levels of the human mind that aren't always that easy to approach. The reason I put Legion on a license-plated Lamborghini is because the fastest way that I found to six figures a month and seven figures. 1555, Provence, France. Nostradamus sits in his secluded study. He appears to embark on a psychic journey in search of answers. He hears a voice at a certain point, and suddenly there's a shaking through his robes, and then a terror followed by a divine splendor. And then he hears the god speak. Is Nostradamus really seeing the future? Evidence suggests Nostradamus identified the first Antichrist in one especially cryptic quatrain. All, nay, Oleron will be more of fire than blood. Many believe this is Nostradamus's first Antichrist prophecy. He wrote it in 1555. Paul, Ney, Oleron are three towns in southwest France. The fact that the first three words are in bold font, uppercase, it's like nudge, 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 I'm saying something here that you should look a second time at. For those who see prophecy in his work, Nostradamus is trying in this quatrain to reveal the identity of the first Antichrist by placing him in France. When you rearrange the letters of these three small towns, they spell out Napoleon Roy, Napoleon the King. Loi spelled R-O-Y in the old French for R-O-I. Napoleon Bonaparte, one of history's most notorious tyrants. Is this quatrain proof that the Emperor of France was the first Antichrist prophesied? Did Nostradamus see Napoleon's arrival on the world stage 233 years before he came to power? An emperor will be born near Italy. He will cost his empire very dearly. Born in Corsica, about 30 miles from Italy, Napoleon proclaimed himself Emperor of France in 1799. He presented himself as a champion and savior of his people. Historians see Napoleon as a hero, a savior of France, during a time that France was economically suppressed, during a time when France needed a savior. He came as a false messiah, one who dominated the entire population and even crowned himself people that follow him create evil. In other words, he influences people. According to Nostradamus, the ability to appear as a savior and seduce entire populations is characteristic of the Antichrist. But for interpreters of the prophecies, additional clues point to Napoleon as the first Antichrist, including Nostradamus's veiled warning to a Catholic pope of approaching danger. Roman pontiff, Beware of approaching, out of the city which the two rivers water. In that place, you will come to spit your blood. 
In fact, Napoleon held Pope Pius VI prisoner in the town of Valence, where he later died vomiting blood in the month of August. Valence can be found at the confluence of two rivers. Followers of the famed seer say even Napoleon's contemporaries saw the likeness of the emperor in the writings of Nostradamus. Various prophecies in Nostradamus's verses or even applied to him in Napoleon's own time. One, for example, bearing a name which no French king passed on to him. That is to say, no one else was named Napoleon in the French monarchy, and he wasn't part of the old Bourbon ruling family. More fearsome than a thunderbolt, tremble will Italy, Spain, and England, all of whom Napoleon either invaded or fought with. So this kind of prophecy has been very easily applied to Napoleon. But it is believed that perhaps the level of havoc and bloodshed committed in Napoleon's name has most aptly branded him Antichrist. Nostradamus seems clear that the supposed first Antichrist, too, will be soaked in blood. That he is less a prince than a butcher. Certainly Napoleon was responsible for the deaths of many people. When he invaded Russia in 1812, his army starting out was 600,000 men. When he went back defeated, it was 18,000. He is the first Antichrist because one of the things they all share is a great shedding of blood. And that was the first big modern shedding of blood, Napoleon. Responsible one way or another for three and a half million deaths, likely more than any other single human being before him, many conclude that Napoleon does fit the description of the first Antichrist. The quatrains further state, but the French nation will fear the hour. North wind, the army having pushed too far. Even his wintry defeat after pushing too far into Russia, the north wind, seems to be echoed in Nostradamus's quatrains. Did Napoleon himself believe he was the first antichrist Nostradamus prophesied? Evidence suggests the emperor was drawn to his writings. Napoleon traveled with a collection of Nostradamus's prophecies on his bedside table. Unfortunately, they were forgeries. At the turn of the 19th century, Napoleon ordered a genocide in France. The message was, from now on, the only way to bring the power back to the self is by saying... At the turn of the 19th century, Napoleon ordered a genocide in France's colony in Haiti. His troops slaughtered as many as 100,000 slaves, gassing some of them with sulfur dioxide in the holds of French ships. A preview of genocide to come? Experts on Nostradamus's Antichrist prophecy believe Napoleon's actions created the conditions for a second and third Antichrist to follow, each who would ravage mankind, just as Nostradamus prophesied. If you did not have a Napoleon Bonaparte, you would not have had the steps which would have led to a unification of Germany later in the 19th century, which led to the second Antichrist, which created the modern world that created the atmosphere for the oncoming and third and final Antichrist. There is no doubt that Napoleon's trail of misery and destruction marks him as one of history's monsters. And if prophecy is to be believed, he is more perhaps the first Antichrist foretold by Nostradamus. 
are there really multiple links between Nostradamus and Napoleon Bonaparte? And are they more than coincidence? How strong is the connection between Napoleon and our second alleged Antichrist, Adolf Hitler? Is it possible that these connections will lead us to identify the third Antichrist? If the Nostradamus effect is true, have the warnings in ancient texts and prophecies from Nostradamus himself converged to suggest that the end of days has actually begun? What, if any, would be the signs of Armageddon? I will take the Israelites out of the nations where they have gone. I will gather them from all around and bring them back into their own land. God said throughout the Old Testament that in the last days, I will draw my people from the four corners of the earth back to the land of their forefathers, Palestine. That literally opened the curtain for the Antichrist to come on the scene. We are examining whether an Antichrist of biblical proportions has arrived to accelerate the chaos and destruction witnessed in the modern world. The quatrains of Nostradamus suggest that this Antichrist will be the last of three false messiahs. His arrival will be immediately preceded by a second evil, one who creates the conditions for the last of Nostradamus's Antichrists to destroy the world. For centuries, followers of Nostradamus have examined his quatrains for clues to the identity of the second Antichrist. From the very depths of the west of Europe. Nostradamus feared that the second Antichrist would be many times more brutal than the first. Nostradamus is telling us that something is coming upon the earth that we are not used to, that he has described, if you like, in the first two Antichrists. They weren't simply national monsters, they were supranational monsters. They had enormous worldwide influence. And I think that that's what he's implying here. His prophecies about the second Antichrist are among his most persistent and specific. Many agree they point directly at history's most notorious madman. <laughs> he who by his tongue will seduce a great tribe. Nostradamus first mentions the second Antichrist in this chilling quatrain, which dooms Europe to another round of terror and destruction. And there is just such a man from the exact location prophesied by Nostradamus, Adolf Hitler. Liberty will not be regained. It will be occupied by a black, proud, villainous, and unjust man. When the matter of the pontiff is opened, the Republic of Venice will be vexed by Dizder. Hitler often appears in interpretations of Nostradamus largely because Nostradamus keeps referring to a figure called Hister, which is fairly close to Hitler, and it means the Danube. Here, Nostradamus's prophecy seems precisely on target. Hitler was born in Austria, and Austria's main river is the Danube. It didn't take people long in Hitler's time to start applying them to him. Moreover, Magda Goebbels, who is the wife of Hitler's propaganda minister, Joseph Goebbels, who was interested in the occult, came across these things and said, wow, this must be about Hitler. 
she wasn't alone. Others made this same connection. The typesetter in one of the early versions of the prophecies actually turned one of the Hister Ister quatrains into Hitler by mistaking the letter and substituting the T. Hitler was known for his mesmerizing and charismatic speeches. In less than 10 years, he seduced Germany into waging war across the globe with virtually unquestioned impunity. Most disturbing, he convinced Germans to carry out a genocide that virtually wiped out European Jews and other victims. In all, more than six million people. Nostradamus writes, his fame will increase towards the realm of the East. The last line is quite interesting, which also points to it being about Hitler. Imperial Japan became so enamored with Adolf Hitler. There is dimensional entities that are walking among us. Imperial Japan became so enamored with Adolf Hitler that it led to the Tripartite Act, the Axis Alliance, which united Mussolini's Rome with Hitler's Third Reich and Imperial Japan. Responsible for a death toll that reached into the tens of millions, Hitler is synonymous with evil more than any other single human being in history. But could he also be Nostradamus's second antichrist? The way to understand why Hitler is the second antichrist is again the steps that the first antichrist initiates Napoleon by creating the modern world through the Napoleonic Wars that created the unification of Germany, the Second Reich, which led to the creation of the Third Reich of Adolf Hitler. That's the link between the first and the second. It is suggested that, like Napoleon before him, Hitler may have been aware of his own destiny as an antichrist, as revealed in the quatrains of Nostradamus. Hitler was part of an esoteric and occult underworld before the First World War that was fascinated by Nostradamus and his prophecies. By 1939, Hitler was self-identifying with the idea of being the second Antichrist. Since this was such a large conflict, since this was another one of Nostradamus's very meaningful time periods, then this must be the second of his three Antichrists. They also believe Hitler perhaps saw Napoleon as his Antichrist predecessor. He revered Napoleon and soon after the fall of France in 1940, visited the French dictator's tomb. And even more verses seem to link Hitler to Nostradamus's second Antichrist. He seems to hint at Hitler's downfall. Beast ferocious with hunger will cross the rivers. The greater part of the battlefield will be against Hister. If you were in the 16th century and you had to describe an automobile or a tank, or a floating attack boat. You might call it a beast that roared with its thundering engines that breathed like a dragon, that come across the great rivers. Beast ferocious with hunger. He's trying to look at fantastic technology that he's never seen before. Into a cage of iron will the great one be drawn when the child of Germany observes nothing. And the cage of iron, is this Hitler's bunker? the bunker that Hitler retreated to toward the end of this reign. If an emissary of future visions gave you a great trench dug in Berlin,
that had all this amazing iron rebar work for a huge bunker that was under construction. Wouldn't it be said that you put that man underground into this great cage, which became the Fuhrer bunker? It was in this bunker that Hitler, on the verge of losing the war he himself initiated, committed suicide.
Jesus said to his disciples, As it was in the days of Noah, so will it be at the coming of the Son of Man. In the days before the flood, there were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day that Noah entered the ark. They did not know until the flood came and carried them all away. So it will be with the coming of the Son and Man of the Man. There will be two men out in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one will be left. Therefore, stay away, for you do not know on which day the Lord will come. Be sure of this, if the master of the house knew the hour of the night when the thief was coming, he would have stayed away and not let his house be broken into. So too, you must be prepared. For at an hour you do not expect the will come. The Gospel of the Lord. Good evening, everyone. I remember a time several years ago, I mean like 28, 29 years ago, a long time ago. I was like six or seven years old, it was Christmas Eve. My parents shuffled, shuffled me off to bed so I could sleep, you know, because Santa's coming, you gotta be asleep for Santa. So there I was, awake, Christmas Eve, laying in bed, for what felt like hours. I was excited and I couldn't sleep. I'm sure many of us have been there, felt that for any numerous things, but my story is for Christmas Eve. So there I was, six or seven years old, and I, I, by my six or seven year old memory and recollection, it was probably about midnight. Probably closer to 10, because time changes and does all sorts of weird things the older you get. But there I was, laying in bed, and I thought, I was like, gosh, it's pretty late. I've been laying here forever. And then, after again what felt like many hours, I heard a thud on the roof. I was like, is that Santa? Or is it the name of the raccoon? I wasn't sure. But I was excited because Christmas Eve, Santa's supposed to come at six. I'm like, oh no, he's here, this is awesome. I'm so excited. And my adrenaline started pumping more and more and more, got even more excited. And then, a moment later, maybe a minute later, two minutes, I heard bells jingling in the living room. I was like, he's in the house, oh no. <laughs> but there was an excitement that I had at six years old, that Santa was coming and that he was finally here. But after I heard those bells, my, my excitement quickly turned to fear. I was still awake, what am I doing? Santa's not supposed to come when I'm awake. I'm in trouble. He's not going to leave me any gifts. I'm going to be empty-handed. My brother's going to get all the cool toys. I'm going to get a lump of coal. And so I forced myself, as a six-year-old apparently can, forced myself to go to bed immediately, closed my eyes as hard as I could, and passed out. 
The next morning I woke up, and as soon as I did, I jumped out of bed, ran into the living room, and dove headfirst into the presence, looking for any sign that I had something with my name on it from Santa, because I couldn't be the one with cold on that year. But I found the presence, and everything worked out. But there was an excitement about that. This sort of anticipation and excitement that a young child has on Christmas Eve is the same thing that all of the prophets of old used to have for the coming of the Lord, for the coming of the Christ. Back in their time, say for Jeremiah, he couldn't tell you if it was a hundred years from his point that Christ would come or a thousand. And they had been waiting for what felt like forever, more than a couple hours for a six-year-old. Waiting and waiting and waiting. The only thing that the prophets knew was that salvation was coming, that the Christ himself was that one day, as they waited for what must have felt like an eternity, there would eventually come a time when their waiting would come to an end. This sense of anticipation, expectation, and waiting is what Holy Mother Church wants to encourage in us today. And not just today, but each and every day throughout our lives. Not just during Lent, but all the time. This expectation, this anticipation, this excitement that Christ soon. It's been over 2,000 years since that first Christmas day, and still we look forward with expectation. Holy Mother Church encourages us to look forward as if we were traveling with the three wise men on the road looking for that bright star and what it meant and where it led, walking with them mile after mile for what must have felt like forever, until finally you come to that little star that turns out that bright light is coming from That's the excitement, the anticipation, the expectation that Holy Mother Church encourages us in us today. When the Messiah came, few really were expecting him. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. Most men of that time had been blind to what was most essential in their lives, in the life of the world. Watch, our Lord tells us throughout the Gospel. Stay awake, St. Paul tells us today. For we too can forget what is most fundamental in our existence, what our life here on earth is truly all about. The church reminds us of this with a four-week period of preparation so that we can get ourselves ready to celebrate Christmas once more. The holy season is thus a time of preparation, of waiting, and of hope. A time to prepare for the coming of the Lord, to wait for him with excitement like a child on Christmas Eve ready to receive him and rejoice in his coming. But the question remains, how are we to prepare? You know, it's customary to decorate the church. We have trees, a couple of purple banners, which will change and get more and more abundant and more full as the, the month progresses. And even in our own home, some of you may still have Halloween decorations up, it's okay, I'm not but we're preparing, hopefully, for Christmas already, starting to get the tree out, maybe, or, or decorate, or whatever. And these are good things to do, but they're only good if we're also preparing our hearts, preparing them to receive our Lord, to be one with Him in this life and the next. What we need is a heart 
that is not prideful, is not jealous, is not envious, is not boastful, a heart that is not lustful or gluttonous or slothful or angry. This is the heart that is ready for our Lord. This is the heart that is childlike, prepared for his coming. This is the heart that is waiting, hoping, and expecting his return. My brothers and sisters, prepare your homes and your hearts, for our Lord is coming, and we must be ready. Together, let us stand and profess our faith. Church of Jesus Christ throughout the world for abundant graces in this holy season. We pray to the Lord.
in a similar way with a couple of vendors. He took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of do this in memory of me.
Radio Hollywood, kicking ass and taking ass.